mean, it was last Sunday at the end of service, we called Monty up and, and Joey, and there was quite a few people up here at the front that we, they have this magnetic personality, and that God's going to draw people to them for his honor and to release the kingdom into them, right? And here we go, happens to him. Monday, my wife and I have an encounter with a lady who is a radio DJ for 20 years here in Dallas-Fort Worth. We have some things in common. God set the whole appointment up. Friday, we're at McDonald's at the playground, and a 28, 29-year-old mom and her three kids were there, and she starts talking to us. We're expecting them to be here at some point uh, to come visit uh, the church. They have a, a ministry to, to military. Her husband's out of the military, and they send them through a program called Pathway that helps just counsel the family and get them back on their feet once they come back. Just a God appointment. Like, we couldn't have made this happen, and God sets it up. So we just want more of that to happen for you guys. This is a season where we're getting the things that we ask for. He says, you have not because you don't ask. Number one. Number two, and when you ask, you ask to consume it on your own desires. So the Lord has shifted the way we're praying. And we're praying, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So now I'm not afraid to ask for anything. He says, ask of me and I'll give you the nations for your inheritance. Oh. Ask, keep asking, knock, keep knocking, seek, keep seeking. To everyone who asks, receives. To everyone who knocks, it's open up to. Oh, man. This is a good season. It's a good time. There's some momentum. I love momentum. I love it because once you get it moving, it's really hard to get it going. I mean, you really press hard. How many of you have started a business or you've had something, a project at home and just to get it off the ground. But once you get some momentum going, it takes less effort and you have greater acceleration. Amen. So we're in a season of momentum that's going to keep going and keep going. And the favor of the Lord is here. And this is the season of God's favor. Amen. It is. It's just a season of His favor. I, I wanted to talk just for a minute today because um, we did the prophetic time. And I wanted to, to give you... Our perspective and the, the, the prophetic calling that we have on this house, the way we see it, um, the, what it means. I love how Matt broke it down. says everyone can prophesy. I mean, he says, hey, pursue spiritual gifts. Paul's telling him, hey, pursue spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. Everyone, pursue the gifts. Um, if you will, would you open to, uh, to 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. I'm going to read a few verses. 2 Peter chapter 1. Verse 1. I'm going to read a few scriptures here. We're going to talk about what prophecy is, what it isn't. Um, just for a few moments, I feel like I need to lay a foundation for this. And uh, this, is going to, this is one of my favorite topics. It's really fun. 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. I think it was when Matt was preaching last. He, 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 he said, where are your Bibles? Was that you, Matt? <laughs> it was you or Kyle? Yeah. Bring your Bibles, people. Come on. Or your phone. Get you an app that has a Bible on it. I love it. It's so much easier. But bring your Bibles. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. It says, uh, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who through the righteousness of God and of Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as ours. I love their, like, greetings and their... They're so proper, and it's kind of funny. He says, Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of, his, of Jesus our Lord. Verse 3. Read this with me, all right? His divine power 
has given us everything we need for life and godliness. And let's stop there for a second. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. I want you to know before, as we go into this, that everything you need for life and to live a godly life has already been provided for you. The power for life and godliness is already provided at the cross. Here's how. Through our knowledge of Him. So when we know Him, when we have intimate understanding of who He is, that knowing Him gives us all the power we need for life and godliness. For every issue we come against, for every obstacle, the knowledge of Him gives us what we need to do the right thing. Through the knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Why don't you read that with me? Who called us by His own glory and... He called us by His glory and what? Oh, He's just good. Verse 4. Through these, through these things we just talked about, He has given us His very great and precious promises. So through knowledge of Him... The power to live in life and have godliness, who called us through glory and goodness, those things have given us precious promises, great and precious promises. Why? So that through them you may participate in the divine nature. Oh, man. How many want to access the divine nature in your life? Like, we talk about the sin nature so much, it's almost like we think it's a champion and it's this, just this muscle man, this Herculean kind of thing. The divine nature is always going to win. The sin nature has no chance against the divine nature of God. How do we live in the divine nature? Through our knowledge of Him. Through our knowing Him. Through our pursuing of knowing Him. Through that, we can participate in the divine nature. And not only that, but we can escape the corruption of evil desires. This is just good scripture. Uh, you, you can keep reading. I have to skip down because I knew we'd be uh, short on time. But in verse 16, it says, We did not follow cleverly invented stories when we told you about the power and the coming of Jesus. But we were witnesses. We were eyewitnesses of his majesty. He's like, we're not just telling you tales of like Greek gods that you've heard of and, and Hermes and all these people that you follow and the Greek mythology you're, you're, you're steeped in. We aren't telling you stories like that. We're telling you firsthand accounts of a king of majesty and a king of glory and a king of power and authority who through his nature has given us access to his nature. The gods that you're talking about you worship them and they always stay high and above you and you never can come up on equal ground with them. I don't mean that we're equal with God in that way. I mean having equal playing field where I can have communion with Him, fellowship with Him. He's like, the God we're talking about, we fellowshiped with Him. I ate bread with Jesus. I drank wine with Him. I fellowshiped. I saw Him heal the sick. He taught me how to heal the sick. We're telling you about the divine nature because we've seen it. We've encountered it. We've experienced it. He says, He received honor and glory from God the Father, when the voice came to him from the, from the majestic glory, saying, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. So Jesus gets a prophetic declaration over his entire life before he ever performs one miracle, 
before he ever turns the water to wine, before he ever casts out a demon, the voice of the Lord, the prophetic declaration over his life was, Son, I love you, I'm pleased with you. Live from that place of acceptance. Sorry, that's just for fun. We ourselves heard this voice. Oh, man. Uh, don't discredit and, and, and diminish the value of hearing the voice of the Lord. Like, there should just be such a reverence for it. I love when he talks to me. I love when he comes in the room and tells me secrets. We heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain. And we have the word of the prophets. And it's made more certain. And, and, and you will do well to pay attention to the prophetic words. He's saying, hey, we heard the prophets. And now we're prophesying to you. It would do you well to listen to what they had to say. Pay attention to it. Because it's like light shining in a dark place. Until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart. What's he describing? He's describing the prophetic utterance, the prophetic declaration of the Father. It says, whenever that comes, you need to pay attention to it. Because it will cause light to shine in darkness. And it will cause the morning star, who is Jesus, the morning star, it will cause him to rise in your own heart. Above all, you must understand that prophecy never came about by the prophet's own interpretation. Another translation says this, prophecy never had its origins in the will of man. It didn't originate from man's thoughts, man's opinions, man's theologies. The prophetic declaration only comes from the one, the one and only, right? And then he says this, verse 21, prophecy never had its origin in the will of man. But men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Spirit. How many remember when Nicodemus came to Jesus and said, um, you know this being born again kind of stuff? I don't get it. Am I supposed to like go back into my mom again and then come back out and be birthed again? It's like, I'm so confused. Really funny thing here. He's like, no, no, no. If you've been born of the Spirit, you're born of the Spirit. There's being born of, of water and born of the flesh, but then you're born of the Spirit. You're born of the Spirit. And then he describes the Spirit. He says the Spirit's kind of like the wind. It goes wherever it wants to, and you don't know where it came from. You don't know where it's going. He says that's what you're going to be like. So listen to this. It says people prophesy when they're carried along by the Holy Spirit, who's like a wind, the breath of God. When you prophesy, when you speak, what God is saying. That's what we define prophecy as this. Hearing what God is saying, and if he tells us to, we repeat it. I've heard a lot of things that God said that I wasn't supposed to say. I've even made the mistake of telling people things in the wrong season. I, I, I look back, I was like, oh man, I messed up. I shouldn't have said that. I wasn't supposed to say. I was supposed to pray about it. I wasn't supposed to. But prophecy is literally just, what are you saying, God? Okay, I'll say that. When you tell me to say it, I'll say it. That's prophecy. We can't create these words inside of us. All right. We're going to go through this pretty quick. The first thing to understand is that God is nice. I took this from some of our kids' lessons. So this is like really basic. God is nice. Why don't you say that? God is nice. Like it's really important that you understand this. God's really nice. 
He's not uh, this mean, white-bearded, angry, frustrated guy with a lightning bolt just waiting for someone to get just a little bit out of line. Like, oh, they're so close to that line. I, I see you. He's not like that. He's really nice. The prophetic is vital because it's God releasing his promises and his inheritance to us through the voice of Holy Spirit. We cannot have the fullness of our inheritance without Holy Spirit because he is the voice of God. Do you guys know that the Holy Spirit is the voice of God? It's the breath of God? Here's a couple of scriptures, all right? Genesis 1, verse 1 and 2. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form, it was empty, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God, or Holy Spirit, was hovering or brooding over the waters. Yes, okay. Romans 4, 17. When it was speaking of, of, of uh, Abraham, a father of many nations, have I made you in the presence of him who believed. Even God, who gives life to the dead and calls into being that which does not exist. Isaiah 55, for as the rain and the snow come down from the heavens and do not return there without watering the earth and making it bare and sprout and furnishing seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so will my word be, which goes forth from my mouth. It will not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. The Bible says that God watches over his word to perform it. The Holy Spirit is the voice of God. It's the breath of God. It's the wind of God being breathed upon the earth. And it's the creative force of God. When God creates things, He speaks. Holy Spirit is that creative force that comes out of the mouth of God. Amen? His word comes out of His mouth as breath and as wind, and it creates space in our hearts. I like to see it like wind through a canyon. The beautiful canyons of Arizona. Man, there's just, for, Arizona's in my heart been in my heart for years a lot of people hate it because of the desert i think it's beautiful the colors and the way the the stone has been rubbed uh, eroded by the water and the winds holy spirit does that he just creates and shifts and causes uh shifts and transitions so god is nice right because god is nice he says nice things (laughs) that's there it is that's prophecy god is nice he says nice things. That's what we're teaching our kids right now. God is nice. He says nice things. How many can remember that one? That's so easy. I can't believe he says nice things if I can't believe he's nice. We're talking about prophecy here. There's a prophetic mantle that's come to the house. And this is for anyone. That's why we're teaching this today. Matt's like, we need to teach the prophetic because we need people to take it and let's run with it. I was like, I agree great the the prophetic if if you see god in a way that he isn't it sometimes will taint the prophetic words that come out of our mouth hello (laughs) make sure i hear the echo hello I know for me, there have been, I can look back through seasons of my life when I've given a prophetic word for somebody, and I can see that the prophetic word at times has been tainted by my own perception of God. No one can speak of things they have not seen. We can't talk about stuff we don't know about. 
He even, when, when, when Paul's teaching about the gifts, he says, right now we know in part, we even prophesy in part. But when he comes, we'll know fully. Because we'll be just like him. But there are seasons that if we don't see God through a pure sight, our prophetic words can be tainted. I think that's dangerous. Because prophetic people have authority that goes with prophetic words. And sometimes the things that we prophesy happen, and they weren't supposed to happen. So I, I always want to start at the foundation of I have to know God. I have to see Him as good. I have to understand how He views mankind, that He's not angry with people. He doesn't hate people. He hates sin. He doesn't hate people. Right? He hates the enemy. Man is not his enemy. Man is his friend. Man is his most precious creation. Dogs are man's best friend. Men are God's best friend, right? <laughs> it's just the way it is. It's just the way it is, right? And so if, if I see him and my, my perception is messed up, I may not miss the whole word, but it may be tainted with a little bit of, of misconception of who God is. So we got to start and know God's good. The prophets and prophecies that were in the Old Testament or the Old Covenant were very different than the prophecies in the New Covenant. They're very different. Under the Old Covenant, the issue between God and man had not been resolved. Man was at enmity with God in the Old Testament. There was no um, forgiveness for sin. I don't, I don't know if you understand this or not. Like, sin wasn't forgiven in the Old Covenant. It was just pushed off to a later date. And then they do their sacrifices, and it pushes off for a later date. And they would have scapegoats, and they all have these ceremonies, and none of it ever settled the issue of sin. So when a prophet prophesied in the Old Testament, it came from a perception as, you guys are sinners. God is upset with you, and you're upset with God. Let's get right. As a matter of fact, you pagan people, if you don't turn to God, we're going to kill you. Because there was a cry for punishment because sin had not been punished yet so we can look at the old testament and yeah there's a lot of punishing prophetic words i mean how does a prophet call out a bear and maul a bunch of kids and feel okay with it <laughs> because in that time period sin had not been dealt with and it was very wrong for people to talk about prophets and like hey wait a second god's holy I'm God's mouthpiece. Don't talk about me like that. But it was different then than it is now. The prophecies reflected conflict in the Old Testament. And even, even then, if you want to go back and read it, all through there, there's still prophecies of hope. <laughs> even in the middle of all that, God is still declaring what his real desire is. It's to be right with man, and he prophesies about the Messiah, and prophesies about a light shining in darkness, and prophesies of a time where the, the lion and lamb will lay down together and be at peace. And I mean, just think of the prophecies that are there. So even in the middle of the conflict, you still see the Father heart of God. But something shifts, right? <laughs> if, if you and I, if, if you have an issue with somebody, your conversation is tainted with the issue. If my wife, if there's a conflict that's between us that hasn't been settled, we can be talking about coffee and the conflict, the, the, the residue of the conflict that's between us will come out in our conversation about coffee. 
and we're fighting over coffee when that's not even the issue. <laughs> Mo, talk to me about slow roasted. Yeah. <laughs> we don't argue about coffee. I don't know anything. I don't argue unless I know something about it. <laughs> I'm just not going to argue if I'm not loaded, right? <laughs> Sorry. So I only argue about stuff I know, and even then, I don't know a lot, right? But if there's an issue, the, the conversation will be tainted with the issue. So the prophecies in the Old Testament were tainted and, and were, were textured with the conflict, right? But under the New Covenant, the issue between God and man has been settled. It's been resolved. Therefore, the prophecies should reflect this new reality. It doesn't excuse sin. Because sin is still sin, and it's not okay, and God is still holy. Sin's effect on mankind is negative. It will never be positive. That's the problem we have with sin, because of what it does to people. We don't have a problem with sin because it's, it's fun and whatever. That's not why we have a problem with it. God has a problem with it, and God's people have a problem with sin because it kills. It destroys. The fun is not worth the destruction. So it doesn't excuse sin because we're in a new prophetic age, but it, what it does is it highlights the grace of God. What is grace? When you get what you don't deserve. I don't deserve it. I didn't earn it. I didn't pay for it. I didn't do anything for this, yet I get it. That's what grace is. That's what we are under. We're under a new covenant of grace that says you don't get what you deserve. Why? Because Jesus came. In the Old Testament, there wasn't a lamb that was sufficient that could bring forgiveness for sins. They looked. They, they took the best that there was, and there wasn't sufficient. But there was a lamb of God in the New Testament that was without spot, that was without blemish, that was perfect. And when he came and decided and he said yes to God's yes, and he gave himself as a sacrifice, it resolved the issue between God and man. The, the, the appetite of the law that demanded punishment for sin was settled through Jesus Christ. Under the old covenant, people were told that they were going to get what their behavior deserved because there wasn't a lamb. But when Jesus came, what did John the Baptist say about him when he saw him coming down the road? Behold, the Lamb of God. Did he stop there? No. Who takes away... Read your Bible, people. Who takes away the sins of the world. The Bible teaches us that God counted it justice that Jesus became punishment for our sin. Even that, that's even prophesied in Isaiah. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. The punishment we deserved was on him. I just want you to know that when you prophesy, it should be tainted with a different, with a different type of, of, of language. The rhetoric has changed. God's not angry with man anymore. He's in love with us. He always has been. But it's created a shift, amen? Prophecy in this house will always empower it's never to call out sin. 
in this house, don't you ever go to someone and call their sin out. That's not your job. Let me, let me, let, let the leadership do that kind of stuff if it's necessary. The, the Bible didn't tell us, hey, go to, your, go to your brothers and sisters and tell them about their sin. And when you do that, that's the will of the Father. And it says, confess your sins to one another. So what we need to do is we need to be proactive. And when we sin, we need to tell somebody. Besides talking to God, we need to say, hey, I'm, I'm not being able to overcome this thing in my life. So Matt, I, I'm having a struggle in this area. That's different than Matt coming to me and saying, hey, Jared, I feel like you're struggling with this sin in your life. It's different. It causes, it causes fear because fear involves punishment. The Bible teaches us that. So in this house, prophetic words are to empower people. Amen? Even words that are disciplinary in nature are supposed to be empowering because discipline is not punishment. You guys know this real well because we talk about it a lot. But punishment deals in the present because of something that happened in the past. You tell your kid, don't do this. They do it anyway. There's, there's punishment involved. I'm spanking you now for what you did earlier. I remember as a kid, I hated going to church. Don't get any ideas if there are any kids in here. I was a pastor's kid, and so... We were at church all the time, which is great. I don't regret that. I, I kind of miss that, to be honest with you. And, but I was a boy. I wanted to be out throwing rocks and playing baseball. And I didn't want to be sitting down in church. And church, when I was growing up, is a little different than even now. Kids were supposed to sit down and be quiet. <laughs> sit down, shut up. When we want you to talk, we'll ask you. Kids are to be seen and not heard. So, man, I was miserable. I had so much energy. My, my, my kids say, I got to get my energies out. I'm like, man, when I was a kid, so church was over, I bolted, man. I'm out the doors, I'm throwing rocks, I'm doing flips, so whatever I can do, we were doing it, right? So every time we had church, what happened? My parents would come get me. You're getting a spanking when you get home. Oh, God. And here's what they made it worse. And if you don't remind us that you're supposed to get a spanking, it's going to be worse. <laughs> I'm like, oh, do I risk not reminding them? <laughs> like, I always had that weight. I learned how to play poker at an early age. <laughs> so I hated it because I, I felt like I was always being punished just for being a kid. So that's why I tell you here, your kids don't bother me. That doesn't mean we don't manage our kids when we're at church. But kids don't ever bother me. Right? Uh, anyway. So I would always get punished for what I did earlier. I was like, but I've, I'm so sorry now. Can't you look at, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. No spanking now. You know, even my kids now, like if it gets to the point and it's supposed to be a spanking or whatever it is, um, I, Matthias says this, I change my attitudes, Dad. <laughs> Every time. I'm Matthias, you better stop that. And if you don't, I, there's going to have to be discipline. There's going to have to be something that comes with it. And he'll, he'll, no, 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 I don't want a spanking. I don't want it. And then there's a difference. You know, there's sometimes it's just a spank on his hand. Sometimes he knows that if he just really goes over the line, I'm going to spank his bottom. And he does not like the bottom spanking. 
So if he knows that what's happened as a bottom spanking is coming, he will walk to me with his hand out and gladly. <laughs> and it's so hard because I'll just sometimes I'll barely do it. And he'll go, that not hurt, daddy. <laughs> like, come on, man. that not hurts. That not hurt me. I don't, I don't want it to hurt you, son. I don't want to even do it, right? That's punishment. All those things I just talked about are punishment. Discipline is completely different than punishment. Discipline sets us up to succeed tomorrow. Discipline puts boundaries and lanes and things in our life that will affect our decision making for tomorrow so that there isn't a, a painful thing that comes with our bad decision. So words in this house need to be empowering. They don't need to punish. Well, because, because you were promiscuous when you were younger, these, this, you have this thing that's going to happen to you. And I, I re, I've told this before, but I really felt like that was gonna, I had this fear because I want children. I want more children, babe. <laughs> Everywhere we go, this is, this is funny. Everywhere we go, people ask her, are y'all going to have another child? I think it's time to have another. Everywhere we go, people we don't even know. I think y'all need to have another kid. I'm like, babe, you're missing. God's like talking to us. <laughs> Hello! And she's like, no, you're not talking to me. <laughs> you can go have the baby all on your own if you want. Go adopt, whatever. I'm like, no. So, in the next year or two, I'm going to win. We're going to have another baby. <laughs> I'm going to win. We started talking about babies. I don't even know what I was talking about. I wanted kids so bad. The thought of having my own son. Dad's right. We have your son. Look, I don't have a girl yet, so I don't know. I can't wait. I can't wait to do the pigtail thing and all that. I, I can't wait. But uh, let me. Say, and my wife, she she does she deserves the mother daughter thing too. That's that's really why I want it. I want both. Anyway, there's nothing like sons, man. Just seeing the 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 things that they learn and the things that they get from you and being able to teach them sports and coach them and play. Nothing like it. And I, as I was growing up, I wanted kids, man. I just love kids. I just do. And because of lifestyle and stupid decisions I make, there was a fear inside me. Like, God's not going to let you have kids when you get older because of all the stupid things you've done. I really felt stupid stuff like that. Where did that thinking come from? That because I made mistakes in the past, that God's going to punish me for it in the future. Where did that come from? Because that's how I saw God. I saw him as the punisher. I did. Or I, uh, Mandy miscarried our first, our first child. And for that long, I thought, man, I'm, I'm being punished. So stupid. Like, do you think God is really like that? Like, I, I say this a lot, but it would be like me just spanking my kids. Because after I spanked my kid, I talked to him before. If I have to spank, I hate spanking them. I hate it. I don't enjoy it. It's not fun. It's, I would so much rather go back and let my dad spank me than to spank my own kids. I just don't like it. Right, parents? It's just terrible. It doesn't feel good. It, they don't like it. We don't like it. But before we, we have a talk, and we spank them, and after we have a talk, and they just cry, and they just love on me, and I just love on them. I'm, like, I'm so happy. I'm not mad at you, and all this stuff, right? I love that time afterwards because it, it's just... I don't know how to explain it. It's sweet, the way it is with us. I would be a, a manipula manipulative jerk of a father if I spanked my kids just to have that time. 
What kind of a jerk would I be if I just beat my kids so that they would run to me and I could hold them and tell them it's all right afterwards? Are you making the connection yet? What kind of jerk would God be if he wants to punish us so we'll run to him? Well, they're not going to come to me, so I'm going to send this evil thing on them. Wait a second. That's okay in the old. Because there is a demand for sin to be punished in the old, and it wasn't resolved. That's not okay anymore. Oh, man. I'm gonna, I could just jump into this. It's not okay anymore. There was a time where, where people were, were, le- were making fun of Jesus. They were talking bad about him. And the disciples overheard it. And they're like, uh-uh. <laughs> We've been around this guy, and there is nothing evil in him. I mean, he is, if there's a perfect being ever, he's perfect. I don't know what you guys are talking about. And they got mad. And they pulled Jesus aside. They say, hey, they're saying this stuff about you. Can we call fire down from heaven and kill him? They really ask him. I think it was Peter, probably. Can we call fire from heaven and punish them for talking about you like that? And Jesus turns to them. You know what he said to them? You don't even know what spirit you're under the influence of right now. In other words, he was saying to them, you can do that, but you'll have to go somewhere else to get the authority to do it because I'm not going to sign off on it. That's not how I work. That's not how I roll. Think, think about it. It's a completely different mindset. Rule, wars, rumors of wars, earthquakes, pestilence, famines, nakedness, all these things are going to happen. How many believe that tr- that's true? How many think that, that God is sending those to make people repent? I'm not looking. Don't raise your hand. <laughs> those things are the conditions that we've been sent into to resolve. It's not God's heart to hurt people. How many, uh, Bill Johnson says this, so I'm going to steal one of his quotes again. I think my, I have a whole part of my brain that's just Bill Johnson quotes. <laughs> I'm so glad too. Uh, how many storms did Jesus bless? How many funeral processions did he say, oh good, it's okay, they need some pain. So they'll come close to me. How many demon-possessed people do you say, oh, it's all right, just let them go through it for a little, let them suffer for a little while, and then maybe they'll cry out to me. He wasn't like that. He could not go into a place where there was evil, and he could, he could not let it stay. The way we teach this to our kids is those things are illegal activities. And the love inside of him cannot let those illegal things go on. He has to fix it. Amen? Read Romans 5. All right? Write that down. Romans chapter 5 talks about this. It says, just as, as sin entered through one man and all taste, tasted the, the, the negative side effects of sin, how much more through the righteous act of Jesus will all men receive forgiveness and salvation? Romans 5 is so beautiful, the language of it. So read that when you get, get home. I'm going to try to finish and close it up. Remember, God sees two versions of you. He sees who you are and who he says you are. And he always loves to speak to who's emerging in you. He doesn't like to speak to who you were. He's prophetic. He likes to declare prophetic. He likes to speak to the future. He likes to call those things that are not 
as though they are. I don't know. Well, I'm going to close with this. So prophecy is, here, is to empower. And prophecy is one of three things. It will edify, it will exhort, and it will comfort. So if you want to write those three things down, he will edify, it will exhort, and it will comfort. We don't use two of those words hardly ever, edify and exhort. So let's, let's describe them. Edify means that we tell people, God loves you and he's proud of you first of all. Let's start there. This is how you edify. Now, and then it comes in and it builds people up. It instructs, it promotes growth, and it helps establish. So a prophetic word that edifies will come into somebody and it, and it could be instruction for growth, instruction for the future. It can be to build up things inside of them that aren't there right there in the moment, right? The word exhort means to stir up, to admonish, to challenge toward growth. That would be the, the, ex, the exhortation is kind of what a lot of preaching is. We're, we're challenging people and stirring people up to pursue Christ, to grow in Christ, to become closer to Him, Right? So if God gives a prophetic word that's, 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 that, that exhorts, it's stirring them to, to get over that thing that you're struggling with. It's okay. I, we know this thing's going on. Let's get over it. You're, you're better than that thing. Time to break chain. Break that chain off your life. It's not a condemning thing. It's not a punishing word. It's like, hey, it's okay. There's an issue here. Let's go. Let's get past it. Forgive them and let's move on. Come on, you're living in the past, you're living right now, let's move on. So a prophetic word that exhorts is like that. It's like, hey, there may be an issue here. This is a lot of the disciplinary prophetic words come through this vein. Hey, there may be an issue here. Here's how we're going to fix it. Come on, let's go. Right? And then comfort means to cheer up, to encourage, to make someone feel better. To just stir up courage inside of them. To speak hope into them. That's the easiest way to prophesy right there is to comfort people. He said he'd comfort those who mourn. When people are having a bad day, be prophetic and go speak into their life comfort. Tell them who God is and what God's plans are for them. Right? Prophetic can tell a future. It can prophesy the future and all that kind of stuff. It can do those things, right? But let's make sure that we're empowering when we prophesy. Now, what is prophecy again? Hearing what God is saying, and if he gives us permission, we tell somebody. We repeat it. See, that's the way Jesus lived. He said, I only do what I saw the Father doing and see the Father doing. I only say what I hear him say. Anything other than that, I don't touch it. Amen? Is this, good, is this good for everybody? Yeah. All right, uh, there's a couple altar call, uh, ways I want to do the altar. First thing, if, if you want to prophesy more, you want a gift of prophecy to come on you, I want you just to stand right where you're at. You want to be able to prophesy and declare the word of the Lord? Hey, the easiest way to know what God's voice sounds like is to read the Bible. When you read the Bible, you get to know the character and the nature of God. So you'll know, oh, that was God or that wasn't God, because you'll know him. Amen? Anyone else, you want that prophetic mantle on you. I know some of you already have it. You want it to increase. But God, we thank you because you trust us with your word. You trust us with, uh, with, with our voice to speak what you're saying. And God, I ask that you would increase the mantle of the prophetic on this house. I ask that you would give us clear perception of who you are. 
And I ask that you give us great boldness to declare when you tell us to declare. I ask that you would give us understanding of supernatural things and understanding of the kingdom. And I ask that you would teach us to know how to, to exhort, to edify, and to comfort people. To speak empowering words so that people are transformed into the person that you're speaking to, the emerging person inside of them. God, I ask that this week that you'll give prophetic declarations and words to these people. And they'll give it to someone they don't know. We ask that that would happen this week. You'll give prophetic words for people they don't know. Release that to them now, Lord. Begin to whisper in your ear, in their ears, the things that you want them to say. We know your word says that you do nothing on the earth without first revealing it to your, your friends, prophets. I ask that you release that in the house, Lord. Amen. I want it. I want to always be able to tell somebody a word from the Lord. You know what we tell them? You can be seated. What we, the reason we tell the kids that you're supposed to prophesy, you know why we tell them what we're teaching them right now? Because some people can't hear God right now. It doesn't mean that there's something wrong with them. It just means they don't hear God's voice. How? God, that's got to be horrible to not be able to distinguish what's God's voice or not. So we want to prophesy so we can help them know God's voice. We want to speak to them because they need to hear the life-giving source of heaven. When he speaks, he's creating. He's releasing life. Some people hear it and don't know it's God. Some people don't hear it at all. Some people don't know they hear it, and they do. That's why we need to prophesy, so people can hear God. It's all about connecting people to the Father. Every one of us in this room have been given the same ministry. It's in the ministry of reconciliation. The ministry of reconciliation. 2 Corinthians 5, I believe, is where you find around 15, 16, 17. It talks about being a new creation. But he's given us the ministry of reconciliation to where we can make wrong things right between God and man. Amen? That's why we want to prophesy. Not so we can say, oh, look at us. We know stuff. Other No, that's not it. Amen. The last thing that I want to do is, and, and this will be a time where we'll call people to the front. Um, Last night this word came to me and then I woke up with it in my, in my heart and the Lord was reminding of it. And I'm just going to tell you exactly what he said. You can be free today. He wanted me to tell somebody that here. Freedom, real freedom. To where that issue that keeps just butting up against you, that it's actually resolved, that it's done and finished. You can just dust off and move on. That's freedom. Real freedom, where it's really resolved. The Bible says the Lord is a spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. He announces his presence, his arrival with freedom. So there's someone here, that's for you today. The Lord wants you to know you can be free, really free. Freedom. It is for freedom, Galatians 5.1. It is for freedom that Christ set us free. If the Son sets you free, you're free indeed. So we want to do that. You need freedom. And if you want to give your heart to the Lord, why don't you just bow your heads? I just want to ask that. If you're here and you say, hey, things are just not right between me and God, and I want to fix it now, I don't want to go another second, just raise your hand and you can put it right back down. Awesome, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. 
You know, you want to know a secret? That moment your heart was turned towards him, he said, you're okay. He came close to you. Come near to God, he comes near to us. He's near you right now. Those of you that raise your hand, would everyone just say this prayer with me? Lord Jesus, I love you. Forgive me for all my sin. I want to be connected to you. Change my life. Transform me. Settle the issues in my heart. Help me to follow you. for Matilda and a couple of people to come up and line up as a prayer team. If you're one of those that you just need prayer, one of those people that wanted to be free today, I mean really free, and just broke and set free once and for all, or if you just, if you want to give your heart to the Lord, you want to just keep, keep that prayer going, um, there's going to be people that will meet you right here at the front, okay? We just want to make sure that if you need personal prayer, this is the time for it. If you were the one that needed freedom, please tell them when you come up here so they'll know what to pray for, all right? Lord, I thank you for today. I thank you for what you've done. You have definitely been here. We've enjoyed being in your presence. We felt the reign of God as we worshiped. We asked that it would just continue. Those that are about to leave, I ask that you'd go with them. Be with them this week. Strengthen them. Empower them this week, Father. I ask that their families would do well, that their families would be healthy and whole in every area. Thank you so much for being here. Again, if you need prayer, please come to the front and someone will meet you here. Um, if you want to talk and stuff, you can do that in here. Just don't be too loud. Um, other, if you want to be loud and crazy, that's cool. Go to the foyer and all that kind of stuff. So we love you guys. Be blessed.